hear this live now. Yeah, y'all. Very good. What's up, everybody? So good to have you all here. My name is MC Till with Everybody's Hip Hop Label. You are tuned in to the Boom Bap Chat, episode number four. We have a very special guest, one that I'm really excited about because this dude just keeps on dropping excellent music. We have A1. A1, what's happening, man? Peace, peace, man. Everything is all good. Thanks for having me. Man, of course, man. Of course. Thanks for uh, for being here. Uh, before we jump into things, would love to know what's behind that name. How'd you get that name, A1? Oh, actually, I had some terrible rap names. And um, my cousin, my older cousin, Jay Swift, who was um, uh, early influence in um, my life and as far as the music and everything, my first actual producer, um, he was like, look, man, these names are terrible. You're going to have to do something simple. How about just A1? And the way that he broke it down was like, just use your initials and try to find something that matches with your real name. And um, we decided to spell it A-W, um, you know, with my last name, my initials in there, A1. So that's basically it. And it was simple, it stuck, it was perfect. And um, I guess it was a better representation of me because I like to be the same person that I am in real life as I am on the mic instead of being a character, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so it, I shout out to my cousin Jay. That was a good lookout because, I mean, it just stuck. That stuck right there. Right on, right on. Before we jump into your music, one of the things that we like to do here at the Boom Bap Chats is talk about some of your favorite albums. So I picked out one album that you said that you really liked and I would love to know why uh, this album uh, is special to you? What does it mean to you? Uh, can you can you chat about this right here? Midnight Marauders, yeah, yeah, yeah. called Quest. Yeah. So um, to transition from the Low End Theory, which was darker than Midnight Marauders, um, Midnight Marauders had like a little a vibe, a bounce, and a different swing on the um, production that was refreshing and a little bit brighter. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like mm -hmm. the first. The, the first single, War 2, if I'm correct, if that was the first single that I remember, it was so long ago. I was in junior high school, but um, I knew when I heard that single, when you hear the key, then, 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 I knew what, what time it was right there. And uh, um, later in life, find out the backstory about Q-Tip's relationship with um, Weldon Irving, you know what I mean, mm -hmm. and, and how they were basically getting exclusives. Like they were getting the archives, you know, like he was like, don't sample that shit, sample this. And I yeah. mean, that guidance um, made them a classic album. You know what I mean? Like, right. it was just so much heat on there and then electric relaxation. And I know I'm just talking about the singles, but um, it's nothing that, that groove, that vibe with kind of, you know, be the, I guess you could say the um the precursor to the swing that we know from Jay Dilla. Mm -hmm. You know, that that mm -hmm. new swing, they brought yeah. in, they brought in that soulful swing, even though it was on a jazzier side, but that new sound was really dated to Midnight Marauders. So what we like from the later albums from like Slum Village and everything and the far side can be rooted and heard. In, right. in on that album yeah. so that yeah that album was like revolutionary and you know the fact that i want to say it dropped the same day as into the 36 chambers um you know the Wu i, think, I Clan. think that's right yeah yeah that was mm -hmm. that that was like the best day in hip-hop in the world <laughs> <laughs> that was a good day yeah that was a very yeah. good day I mean, yeah, I, I, it was. It, it's interesting you bring up Dilla because I remember not too long ago, I was in a conversation with someone on uh, social media and they were swearing up and down that Dilla helped produce this album. And I was like, I, I, don't, I don't think that's true. I don't think Dilla was a round tribe at that, at well, that point. But, well, just, but the influence, you can definitely hear. I'm not going to say who told me, but somebody told me that Tip already had the tapes and maybe... Ooh he already heard of Dilla and maybe that gave him some of the vibes that he yeah. brought into the, cause hey. the drum patterns changed. The drum patterns changed a yeah. lot from Midnight yep. Marauder to Low In Theory. The drums had a swing right. to it that right. we haven't heard in East Coast New York hip hop. 
And that swing is only in a few different artists. And those few artists that Dilla worked with earlier before Slum Village are a tribe called Quest. You can find that same swing yeah. in the far side and yeah. then Slum Village. Yeah. And then it's all Dilla after that. You right. see what I'm saying? Yeah. So no, the influence I mean, was there. I mean, sure. I mean it's, a, it's a coincidence. And then to go in, the only other person close to having that swing again, and I'm going to say this, this is because of my knowledge of hip hop, is again, I'm a, a, another extension of Tribe. Buster Ryan, who, they, who produced him? Dilla. You see what I'm saying? Then mm-hmm. you look at Knotts has a similar swing, but Knotts was in the circumference of Dilla at the time and they were working kind of together. Yeah. And you could also say DJ Scratch, but all of those guys were in like the same huddle. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, and yeah. working with the six, same six degrees of separation. Right. So that album to me is the turning point in the way that drums and drum patterns sounded for hip hop. It made like a more soulful palette palatable for hip hop. It was yeah. the alternative to the to the um and this is no disrespect to Mom Deep, but it was the alternative to where Havoc went with his drums. Mm-hmm. Havoc drums are more traditional boom bap, you know, with the with the crazy Chris Smith that mm-hmm. you know right. what I mean? But Midnight Marauders is about the deeper grooves, the bass line and the swing. Where yeah. the drum, the kick is in the background and the swing is in the front, yeah. you know. So it's just a great album to vibe to front to back. Definitely, definitely a great album. Speaking of great albums, want to get into your newest album. A uh, lot to talk about here. Antithesis, correct? I yeah, that right? or anti- yeah, or antithesis, antithesis. antithesis however yes. You, yeah, however you want to pronounce it. Yeah. But it's volume one, part three. Correct. So, T- tell us about this because there's other people involved. There's three volumes of this project. Tell us about, about all that. Okay, so Project Anti- Antithesis or Antithesis is um, a creative project of Georgie Speakman and Phil Lewis. Um, it's a project that's not quite classical, but rooted in classical music. So they're actual real compositions. Georgie reached out to me last week and I didn't know she was like masterminding this whole shit. But she <laughs> she hit me up like a while ago asking me how to get in contact with Blunt One because she heard our record Machine Gun Rap and she loved it. So now <laughs> she hits up Blunt One and you get volume two, whereas Georgie and Phil Lewis and now now they layering the hip hop sounds on it which is all instrumental again, but it's blunt one adding the, the vibe. So it's a constant buildup. Then she hits me up like, yeah, we did this project with blunt one. Now we want you on it to add the, the lyrics. And then I'm the final component to the, to the creative project. And um, I added the lyrics. Um, and to be honest, the lyrics came from her giving me a template of what each composition was about. So I took that information and then I formed lyrics around those concepts loosely but in the narrative of an up-and-coming rapper who's you know going through his life you know trying to get out of the street life trying to change and you know there's a sense of family there wanting to be a provider you know a little bit of looking back but it's just an up-and-coming MC navigating the terrain and it came through her giving me like an example of what each each composition meant to her. And um, I, I just can't say enough about how her organization helped me as a writer um, put that together. So that was real cool. So Georgie was the original musician that kind of made the, the piano. Absolutely. The Georgie, yeah, yes. Okay. Yes, Georgie, Georgie and Phil Lewis. Yes, Georgie and Phil Lewis. They, so they, yeah. So they, it was mostly piano, wasn't it? Yes, yes. They made the piano compositions. Yes. So they made a piano composition, right. compositions. Then they they reach out to Blunt One. Right. He throw, he throws the drums on it. Did he chop it all? Like, did he chop it up, or was it mostly um, just putting drums on top of what they played? He added texture. I want to say he might have chopped some things up and did okay. some other things. Blunt One is a very creative producer. Um, shouts yeah. out to Blunt One for people who don't know. He's a 
like the King of Lo-Fi from all the way from Budapest, Hungary. And, oh wow! Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I've been I've been knowing Blunt One for years because um we released an earlier project of Blunt One and a rapper who goes by Peeps the Prophet. And it was an EP that we put out called Ills of the Earth. It was one of our first releases on Don't Sleep Records. And um, the EP did extremely well. And then Blunt One kind of took off from there. He went his direction and started releasing solo albums and instrumentals and exploded. Uh, rightfully so. Uh, he's dope. He's really dope. Thank if if, if, if it's up. okay with you, I'd like to just play a snippet. Sure, uh, sure. Okay, this is, this is the first joint on the album called Spring. Everyone hear that? Right. So there's the piano. Hustle all winter in the spring, we copping ranges. Locked in the studio for months with my anger. Just Hennessy and plus my therapist think I'm in danger. I've been going through some changes. Hustle all winter in the spring, we copping ranges. Locked in the studio for months with my anger. Just Hennessy and plus my therapist think I'm in danger. So I wanted to play that because it kind of gives you a snapshot of what you were talking about. It has the piano. Then it has, you know, those those drums, those ill drums come in, the lo-fi. Then it has you come in, you know, rapping on top, uh, the three dimensions. Um, really well done. Just really laid oh. out. And what I love about this album um, is the, the, the texture throughout. Like it, yes. it just, it flows really well. It has that feeling that just kind of soft, but kind of rainy fall weather feeling and it just it just feels yes. good throughout you know thank you thank you yeah. thank you um the one of the things that i tried to do with those songs where they was they were extremely short so yeah. i tried to have marathon sessions where i would just finish three songs in a day or yeah. you know do two songs at a time so that I can keep the same energy and vibe and it kind of connects yeah. with one another. So it's right. not like I'm up here mm. and really high on energy and then I go really low. I was wanted to keep people on like a nice level vibe throughout. So I did those in marathon sessions. Yeah. Knocked it out. I think it was a total of three or four sessions to get the nine tracks done. And I was finished and um, Blunt One and Georgie took care of the rest. They did everything else. You know, you talked about the the song links. I was gonna ask you about that. Was that like, did you have any say in that? Or was it basically like, here's the music, this is what you have to work with now, you know? It was, put it your was, magic on it. it was what I had to work with. Um, I think from a business perspective, it was smart. Mm -hmm. It was long enough to be a song but not long enough to be overwhelming. And in Georgie's interpretation, she wanted to keep people engaged and be able to listen to the entire project yes. without skipping. So the whole idea was to make sure that people got the full and complete vision yes. and thought. And what we are noticing is that is what's happening. People get through every record and listen mm. to it in its entirety. So it was beneficial from a, a business standpoint as well as um, when you think about being a creative and wanting people to get your full thought um, it was beneficial in that regard as well that you know we were able to translate exactly what I was thinking and people are able to just consume that and walk away feeling however they felt after they listened to it. Man I love that because I really love albums you know, there can be a dope song here, a dope song there. And some people, that's how they consume music. Just one dope song after another playlist of different artists. But I really like to hear an album, you know, an album that feels good, has a consistent vibe throughout. And in this day and age, I mean, you talked about the brilliance of it being short. I think it really was brilliant because, you know, in this day and age, a lot of people don't sit with albums like they used to, you know, because no. they're so long. But you can sit with this album. You know, you can put it on, you can play it um it's it's consumable and you can enjoy it you know in one listen so i was i think that really was smart 
Thank you. There's a term that I came up with for, for those albums um, dating back from Illmatic, and that was one blunt records. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? So so from from rolling, lighting, and smoking, you don't want that blunt to be going and your record is still on. You know what I mean? Yeah. And because and, and and if you really go into a scientific um analysis of that, the average commute in America is about 25 minutes each right. way. And so you have roughly 50 minutes. Anything longer than that, people you're you're lost. So I think that albums that are between 20 minutes and 40 minutes are really good and they're really successful. When you look at um, Bandana, uh, one favorite albums for 2019, it was under 40 minutes, I believe. And um, I think the runtime was about 38 or 39 minutes. Yeah. Perfect, perfect length. Not too long, not right. too short. The brevity of the songs didn't matter. It was the energy mm-hmm. and being able to complete the thought and hear this, this entire vision. Right. And, that's that's important that we we make albums and if the attention span is shorter let's just make shorter albums and still get a solid point across yeah yeah you, you did that well on this album so Thank you, you you're an mc of course uh but you're also a part of don't sleep records and not just a part of it i think you founded it right with phonics uh, or was that yes you? i'm a co-founder of co-founder yeah yeah yep. so uh um, yeah. fun- Honest and I created the label in uh, 2014, and um, and that was along with the help of uh, Mason Strell, and um, you know the original team that was part of the formation of that was myself, Phonics, uh, Mason, Deflo, and uh, Tiff the Gift. That was the core of the artist, and then we branched out to um, begin working with Anti Lily, Peeps the mm-hmm. Prophet. MC Boom Bap, um, they came a little bit later, but those are the those are the, the tentacles of the projects that we have released on the label. So taking off your MC hat, putting on your label hat, when you release an album, are, are there different like goals that you have, different things you want to see the album achieve? Um, you know, Onyx and I never go into a venture of creating an album with pure expectations. Um, because, and he taught me that actually. I trusted his words when we did our first record, Return to the Golden Era, way back in 2013. And, um, you know, just list, going back, if I can revisit the things that we talked about and messages back and forth for just on the phone, um, you know, he would say, well, let's just put it out. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Let's put it, pay what you want. We want more people to hear it then we want people to um, um, buy it. And from my experience of just being in the underground for a while, I had made money off music, but that wasn't important as notoriety and having the art disseminate further. So that album was the first album that I had that really just caught fire because of the way and the business model that he had came mm-hmm. up with by saying, forget it, let people pay what they want. People yeah. ended up paying anyway, yeah. you know, and that album has gone on to do what it's done. And I mean, $50 investment, just putting the album on the distribution platform and doing Bandcamp and everything all mm-hmm. these years later, that one thing took us this far. So, um, you know, we don't have expectations. We just want the music to live and people to enjoy it and have some critical acclaim so that we can work and do another record, you know, that yeah. people enjoy. Yeah, right on. And and as you just keep going, you know, opportunities open up, you know, as you go, as you just keep 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 on the grind. Yeah. And one of those yeah. opportunities I'd love for you to, to speak on um, is this Netflix documentary, Underdogs. You met uh, a guy... Yeah. You met a guy named Teo in Canada. Is that right? Okay, so tell us about leg- that, please. Legend has it that um, Teo actually met Mason in Alaska. So Mason, again, he was the guy that helped us um, get going with Don't Sleep Records. He was like our manager, mm-hmm. and um, he helped us set up a lot of um, the the way things look 
you know, the way he, he was also our photographer. He took a lot of those dope photos that you see of us from earlier in time. So Mason and Matteo, they talk and they're young. They started talking about music and um, he's like, hey, these are my guys, you know, A1 and Finance, you should check them out. And Teo was uh, amazed. He heard it, he loved it. And he's like, I wanna meet these guys, you know. Um, I'm not sure if he was aware of us already and just didn't make the, and connect the dots of who we are, because that happens a lot. This was mm-hmm. pre-Shazam, you know, where you can Shazam a, a song and, you know, people know who it is. So this was pre that. So I don't think he connected the dots. So um, he arranged for us to meet. We met in um, New York. We hung out at VA. Um, Mason came along and we were originally just doing a short documentary for our album, Knowledge Itself. And by the time Teal got back to France and looked at the footage, he was like, nah, nah, we're going to do a full movie. He was like, this is too good. He really enjoyed it that much. He believed in it that much. And he said, well, the only way that we complete it is now you guys come over here because I've been to America twice. <laughs> so he's like, you guys need to come to Europe. So um, I proposed, well, if we come over there, we have to recoup somehow, plane tickets, stuff. Let's do some shows. So Teo went, and um, he went from being the guy making a film to being our promoter, like our booking <laughs> agent. And he he found shows, and I mean, not just any shows. Like they were like really, really crazy shows like in the right buildings and his eye for where we should be performing at um really helped to make us see the type of venues and the type of promoters and businesses that we should be working with in Europe you know our first show was in this um space called La Manufacture 111 shouts out to my man Guy because he still brings us out to Europe um to this day but Manufacture 111 was an art gallery, cafe, and then mm. they had this theater space. And I mean, to perform in a space that's a gallery, for one, and it's a geared towards hip hop and um, urban art. So having these, and when we performed, it was, they, it was just like heaven. It was the Martha Cooper exhibit. You familiar with Martha Cooper? So it was no. like, she's a um, hip hop photographer. Um, okay. She, yeah, she had done some um, very famous uh, photos of early B-boys and New York City culture, you know. Oh, um, yeah, she has a coffee table book um, called We Be Girls, and it's like all the B-girl culture. But anyway, Martha Cooper was showing when we were doing our show. So it was like the perfect vibe for what we were doing because people can check out the exhibit and they come into the room, see a dope hip-hop show, it just was like heaven. The second yeah. show, Teo found this like speakeasy in Annecy, France. And it was like, you know, it was a club and it's like really dark and you go down the stairs, but then you get in there, it's like beautiful and luxurious, like something out of the 1920s. Um, you know, they had pictures of like Al Capone on the wall and everything. And then on the stage, they had this like beautiful Chesterfield sofa that was cut off in half like a chase lounge and gold mm. and everything and the owner was mad as hell because i was like standing on the couch like rick james <laughs> like <laughs> when we were performing because i guess they thought that our music was going to be like mellow but performing it is different kids yeah. can kind of crazy so it ended up being like a live show like we perform in defecation at this time <laughs> so yeah we were standing on the sofa and everything <laughs> It was it was wild, but Tio just knew what to do. And mm-hmm. that's how underdogs are formed, that experience of him saying, Hey, I came to America, you guys come over here. And then he brought us to his crib in Grenoble. And that's where we ended at. And um his family was in the crowd, his friends, and it was like performing for family. And um I remember after that show, just spending time in his living room. Uh, you know, with his mom and his friends and just mm-hmm. kind of kicking it and um, chilling out. And I knew the, the vibe was just so warm. Um, it was a life-changing experience just filming with Teo, creating that. So 
it was really authentic, man. It was just a, a, a miraculous thing that happened. And it, it was all from trusting them young cats, man, yeah. you know, because I was grown, you know, like fully grown. Like I was in my early 30s at that time. And Tia was like 18, 19 years old, you know. <laughs> Everybody's yeah. looking at me like, you trust this cat? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you trusting these kids? And I was like, yeah, man, they good. I'm like, he's coming all the way to America. Then he showed up and he's got yeah. these big cameras. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm like, told you they were serious, you know? Cause I believe Mason, Mason had lied to me and told me he was 19 and he's managing us. He was like 17 at that time. <laughs> but I said that this kid, you know, so it, I saw the ambition and Miles Davis stayed alive and kept reinventing himself through, you know, having youthful people around him so I always you know never knock the youth and kind of just like yo you want to work let's work yeah. you know what I mean yeah because um, yeah, I didn't really have success with my peers um like that you know because um you know egos come into play at times and not only that people you can't teach your old dog new tricks they got their right. way you know but with younger people they are willing to um compromise a bit more Right. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I really trust um, their advice and I trusted them, even with Phonics, you know, he's like um, my younger brother's age. But what I'm thinking, he's thinking. And, you know, if he's thinking something, I'm thinking it. And it just really, really worked. And I, you know, reinvent through those cats. And that's how I got that second win. And that's how we did Underdogs. That's you know? dope. Thank That's you. Dope. And the and the chat Neville said, uh, "Dope." It translates through the movie. It was heartfelt. And uh, yeah. I, and I remember, I remember one scene where you talked about how like um, like it changed your perspective. You were like in France, and um, yes, and I know traveling can can really do that to you. So so I know that the the actual experience uh, was was very meaningful for you. Uh, did it translate after that? Like the having that documentary, did that open up some new doors or, you know, more people check out your music? Oh, that man, it's, it's definitely different now. Like, yeah. I tell you that. Yeah, things are um just way better. And it's just been on the constant um incline throughout the years. But yeah. after the documentary, that really, that really helped a lot, you know. But we were already on this incline from just doing the film festivals, just having it kind of circulating out. Um, shows actually got bigger last summer um, when we did Hip Hop Kemp. And that was before the documentary, we did mm-hmm. Hip Hop Kemp. And this time when Guy brought us out to Paris, like for a show, it was um, a festival. And we were the headliner act on his open air weekend. And um, it was like a thousand people out there for us, oh, for wow. underground hip hop. That's dope. But, yeah, but France is like, you know, I would say the second largest consumer of hip hop in the world. Um, when you think of Europe, they really embraced, they really embraced the culture in France. So hip hop really translates well over there, even though the language is different. Mm-hmm. It's like it's really ingrained in, in the culture. I feel the same about Germany. Um, you know, we haven't been to Asia yet. I would love to go to Japan and see what the scene is, because that's where I got my start in Japan. But, um, you know, the, the documentary really helped. If COVID-19 didn't occur, we had some really dope shows lined up that we would have been on um, beginning April 2nd, but we had to cancel our tour um, due to the um, pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we got a, actually had a booking agent and, you know, doing things in a more conventional way. Uh, shouts out to Karen uh, with sabotage at that but you know they were looking out for us and it's just you know in in, in hindsight you can't control you can't complain about what you can't change so it's all good but um right. you know I'm definitely I feel like we're we're blessed that underdogs is yeah. what I what I think is an authentic representation of who we are as people and um, you know, I'm the same cat on the mic that I'm the same as in real life. You know what I mean? And I, I just always, it's easier. You know what I'm saying? Some right. cats are always in character, and then when you meet them, it's kind of awkward. Like you're nothing like what I expected you to be. 
And um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, when people meet me, like, oh man, you're exactly what I thought you'd be like. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Well, you know, you talked about um, uh, people in France, Germany, you know, really respecting the music and, and the culture. You know, one of the things that um, we do a lot at Everybody's Hip Hop Label that's sponsoring this Boom Bab Chat is we really try to talk about the music and create, you know, keep the conversation going, not just with mu new music, you know, but, you know, like with Tribes music. And so we try to keep it going like that. So uh, one of the things we do here is we do a segment called One Word. So I will uh, flash an album cover in front of the screen, uh, mm -hmm. say the title, and uh, you just tell me the first word that comes to your mind. All right? Okay. Got it? Sure. Okay, cool. Got gotcha. you. Cool, cool, cool. You got to play a little, you know, classic music to get us in the mood. So, okay, here's, here's sure. the first one. Black on both sides by Most Def. Umi says. <laughs> oh, well, it's one word, but Umi. Umi, you know? okay. Yeah, it's my favorite record off that. Death I can't certificate. see. It's Death Certificate by Ice Cube. Sorry about the glare. West Side. <laughs> it was written by Nas. Uh, message. Message, y'all. That's dope. Yeah, that's dope. Yeah, right. yeah. How about this yeah. one right here? Dilla Donuts. Whoo. Randy's. And I'm going to tell you why. They got the best. They got the best donuts in LA, LA Inglewood. <laughs> Right. Dude, I, is it something about like I remember being in Long Beach and there was like a donut shop like on every corner. They like, really coming from big. the Midwest, like I don't. That's nah, just, they that's, really that's big on donuts, man. I had the best donuts in my life in LA, man. Like they really big on donuts for real. All right. The infamous Mob D. Classic. Classic. Oh yes. Into the Wu Tang. Perfect. Perfect, man. That's it. That's actually an interesting uh, response because when I think of this album, I don't think perfect. I mean, I love this album. It's actually one of my top 10 favorite albums, but I just think like raw, almost like disorganized in a way. And that's, you know, part of what I love about it. So perfect is just, it's surprising. It's a surprising response. The reason I say that is because you could put that album on at a, even a party and people are gonna jump up and down until the very last song. Like, so that means to me, that means that it's perfect. We, it's very rare in life that you get those records that in that time period, we got a lot of those records that you yeah. could listen to beginning and end. And yeah. I don't know about you, I came from the house party ages of where somebody put on the album and ain't nobody getting up changing the CD player and it's just, you gonna <laughs> listen to that album. <laughs> That album, Doggy Style, Ready to Die, were those type of albums that we loved when we were coming up. And they came out like back to back to back to back. You could just rock them and the parties would keep going. It would be years before we got another album that was that strong with as many singles that people can jam to and, and enjoy. And that would be um, 50 Cent. That would be 50 Cent. And that was what, 2003? That was, yeah, yeah, because he had like six singles on that album, me and that. And it was a long album, but front yeah, to back, front to back, you could listen to that album up and down. It just, it had nothing but jams. And that album right there, even it being raw, disorganized, they jams, you know, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Oh, yeah, like, no, I yeah, love it. Yeah, it's yeah, dope. like, like the, this clan in the front, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Shame on him, come on. Like yeah. Rizzo, Rizzo was a beast, man. Like, yeah, he was. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he knew was. he knew how to do it. And I tell you, that comes from him having to start in the 80s and 88. That's when Prince Rakim made his right. debut, 88, 89. And you think about the the way music was, you had to have those jams. If people couldn't right. do a dance to it or move to it, it was a no-go. Right. You know, so you think about Daylight's first album, Three Feet High and Rise, and he had jams. It's lyrically, it's lyrically packed and it's, it has depth to it, but you know, it was one of those albums you could just throw on and people yeah, yeah. just can vibe. And I feel that way about that album. It's perfect, man. Perfect. I love it. Yeah. All right. Two more. Reasonable doubt. Jay-Z. Drugs. 
drugs. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of drugs up on that album. Right here, Mad Villainy. Go. <laughs> Go. Yeah. Is, yeah. You, you have a high esteem for MF Doom um, as a lyricist? Yes. yes, I do for the wittiness, for the cleverness. Mm-hmm. Um, he was ahead of his time. Um, that album, even though it's 04, it's fresh today. It's timeless and um, it's futuristic, even with it sounding old. Like, it's something about Doom's approach to making music, and when, especially when he's making music with Mad Lib. Mad Lib has that way of introducing you to old music that sounds new because you've never heard it. Yeah. You've never heard it, you know, and then you have to go on this like super long hunt and argue with people about what the sample is and, you know, find out that that's not the version that he sampled, right, and, yeah. you know, like he, you know, in that album, especially with the mask and the patina and the photograph, it's just so futuristic. Yeah. And till this day, the reason why I love Doom is because he never broke character. So now we just expect that that's who he is. Yeah. You know, it would be right. very awkward and weird for him to take that mask off now. It'd be like seeing your dad <laughs> naked. Like, right. no, just put the mask back on. What is wrong with you, right. dude? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's, just, it's just, it's it's strange in that way that it worked. And, um, you know, from a business point of view, imagine if Ghostface never took off his mask. He was MF Doom. Right. You know, imagine yeah. if Ghost kept character. You know, he has the, a crazy stature in hip hop now. You know, he's, mm-hmm. I mean, his career couldn't have gone better. But right. just imagine what would have, what would he, he would have had a toy, you know, actual action figures and merchandise and mm-hmm. 10 years to 15 years before you know, we even thought of having that type of revenue stream in the hip hop music. Right, yeah. You know, he was ahead of his time. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt he sure was. Yeah. Sure was. All right, at this point, I want to open it up. Um, I know uh, Neville had a question about um, starting out in Japan. He had a question about that. And if anyone else has a question, just, you know, get my attention somehow, raise your hand or uh, jump up and yeah. down. Um, but yeah, go ahead, Neville. You're you're unmuted. I think you had a question. Yeah, um, Awan, I was just wondering. You, you said it before that you had started out in Japan, I think, and I was a little confused with that. Okay, so way back in like '06, '07, um, when I was on MySpace, an A and R from a label in Japan had reached out to me. The label was Goon Tracks. Um, so I had like four tracks from my um, debut album on my MySpace page. And this A&R was like, yo, we want to release um, your music. Can you send, you know, what would be a project? So I sent them my demo and they loved it. They wanted it as an album. And here's the funny thing about that backstory. And this was produced um, by my, my crew, the Soul Students. Um, uh, mainly by my bro, Chameleon Beats. What's funny about that album is after we get the deal, um, the studio was robbed, the hard drive was taken. So the album was really my demo. It's no different. It's no glaring mix. It was just like the MP3 files of those tracks and they were just kind of mixed a little bit but those was the those were the raw tracks with no real no real mix and that was my debut album beautiful loser that's why i don't perform it because we don't have the acapellas or the instrumentals we only have like two acapellas and um two instrumentals or maybe three off of the whole album and um that's the story of it so that's how i got my start in japan with goon tracks yeah so that's crazy yeah, they put out my demo. <laughs> they put out my demo. <laughs> <laughs> As your album. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Right. Cool. Thanks, Neville. And I think we have a question from uh, Stephen Palermo. Stephen, I think you have to unmute your mic. I'm trying to unmute it. There you go. All right. What's up, Stephen? I thought we had a question. Stephen, can you hear us? Maybe he 
having mic troubles. Oh, well. If, uh, yeah, if, if you get that figured out, uh, it says you're unmuted. So if you figure that out, Steve, are you there, Steven? I thought I heard him. Okay. Uh, cool. Well, if he gets that figured out, we'll jump back to him. But anyone else uh, have any, any questions or thoughts? Yeah, what's the underground, uh, the Netflix? I'm, 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 I'm clueless. What is that? Okay, so um, it's, the, it's a documentary film called Underdogs um, that we filmed over the course of three years with a director by the name of Tio Frank. It's out on Netflix now. You can check it out. It okay. just chronicle, it chronicles our early journey of um, creating the album and touring and, you know, just getting those experiences, a little bit of our backstory as a crew. Um, it's also on redbull.com. If you don't have the um, Netflix, you can stream it directly online for free. So if you go to redbull.tv, they have a bunch of um, documentaries and films up there because um, Red Bull is also a media house. So you can definitely um, check that joint, joint out there. It's called Underdogs. Word. Yeah. Dope. It's inspiring. It's really inspiring. Um, Hey, my man, Bo Brown had to jump off A1, but he said, great conversation. Got to jump off here. Much love and continued success to you. So. Word, word. Appreciate it. Thanks. Yeah, Thanks. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Any other thoughts or questions uh, before we officially Flash end it? What's that? Flash is A-W-O-N. Oh, 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 you might have missed that earlier. It's, um, well, AW, those are my first initials. So we wanted to incorporate my real name into um, the actual name. So uh, we chose that spelling, you know. Um, I found out later that it's like uh, actual saying in Nigerian and in Korean. So we had to do a lot of work on Google to get me to come up um, with that spelling. But um, that's that's how it happened. My cousin gave me the name and decided to use my first and last name initials as the beginning because it made sense. Okay, that's dope. That's dope. And uh, Stephen's back on. Stephen, can you hear us now? Maybe not. Oh, I think he might be there. Can you hear us, Stephen? Can you say something? All right, we still can't hear you, Stephen. But if you want to type your question in the chat, you can do that. Can I ask a question? Can I ask one more question? Yeah, yeah, of course. Sure, yeah. sure. Yep. Um, Antoine, I just wanted to know when I'm listening to the lyrics from the first few albums that I listen to, I hear like a spirituality and a depth in there. Is there a certain type of um, I don't know, religion, faith, or does that does that make sense? Like I don't know what, what your um vibe is, but I definitely felt it in it. Uh, so in it. yeah, yeah, definitely. So um a lot of that comes from my grandmothers. Um, uh, on one side, I was raised seven day advantage on my mom's side. And on my dad's side, um, my grandma is um, Pentecostal, I believe. I believe that's what it is. But um, they kept me in church. And you know, my, my mom's mom, uh, rest in peace, she always told me that I should be a pe preacher when, mm. I was, when I was younger, um, mm. you know? So I, 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 that took it, that took, a, a hold of me, but also mm -hmm. I was born in Brooklyn and um, I lived in Fort Greene, which we called ahead of Medina. And that was more, where, ch more churches per capita than anywhere <laughs> else in the world, right? Yeah, yeah, but um, in, in Brooklyn period, like in the neighborhood, uh, that was where um, Clarence the 13X founded mm -hmm. um, the, the Nation of Gods and Earths, um, right in my neighborhood uh -huh. at Fort Greene Park. So, you know, my uncles were a part of that and, um, you know, giving me jewels as I was coming up and knowledge itself and, and, and just that way of life. So, um, you know, it, it all kind of um, came to a head. And as an adult, I don't really have or a, a specific religion that I tied to, but I definitely believe in higher power. I believe in God and spirituality. And um, I do follow, you know, um, the mathematics and, and study having knowledge yourself and study um, also mindfulness and, and, and things mm, of that yes. nature, um, yeah. you know, just to work on being a better human being every day. I think that, you know, us living on earth, we should all know that, you know, we should attach ourselves to being something greater than ourselves. You mm. know what I mean? And um, yes. so... 
that's that's my drive every day just to evolve naturally as a human so that's why it's a lot of spirituality and depth in the lyrics because i want people to walk away inspired i want to contribute to some positivity even though we're talking a lot of street shit a lot of a lot of things that people might take as negative i always think that there's a greater message in what i'm actually trying to say you know um and that message is look you don't have to live this way. You could be better than this. And my message is, you know, um, the pain that I felt losing my friends, losing loved ones. Um, the message is, is that, you know, there's a prison industrial complex that exists in America. The message is to e always evade that negativity, you know, and, um, you know, cause, cause love and positivity will always supersede negativity. You know what I mean? It's about optimism. That's my message. It's about, you know, the class is half full. It's, it's always what you make it. Um, because in my own life, I feel like I survived and I made it um, and just took my situation and kind of changed it. You know, the situation for me could have been much different had I been consumed with the chip on my shoulder of, well, we came up out of the project. So, well, you know, there was no options or, well, you know, those are excuses at the end of the day when yeah. when when you have a skill set and you apply yourself is about having the confidence to have that ambition so i think that you know just giving that type of message to people in general is um you know fulfilling you know what i mean it's only going to be but so many i'm murder you i kill your kids i'm gonna <laughs> do all of it you know what i'm saying like like yeah. we 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 we've been there before you know and um i think that it's always time for a new conversation, especially in hip hop. Hip hop is so um, inviting that it gives us the opportunity to expose people to different sides of us. And that that vulnerability and authenticity is what I try to showcase in every record. You know what I'm saying? Nice. Well said. Yeah, it's dope. All right, we, we have time for one more question if anyone has a last thought or question. Well, we got A1 on here. Not that's all right. Yep. Uh, all right. Go ahead, Ian. What's up, Ian? Hey, Ian. Yo, yo. Through um, the creative process with the new album of One One, what's uh something interesting that you might want to give the fans that we might not know about? Oh, okay. That's a great question. Um, I recorded all of those records at night, really late at night, in the middle of the night, actually, like between. 12 a.m. and 4 a.m. So nothing was done during the day at all on that album. So um, maybe when you listen to it, you hear it at night and it might come to you a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you knew I was in my home studio just recording like super late at night, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. So that's, that's how I got that off. That's dope. Yeah, if, you, if, you, if you've not heard the album uh, out there, if you can find a, a nice dark place at nighttime, like uh, he said, or you know, on the outside on a cool crisp night on the balcony, or on a porch, or you know, in a park or something, put on the headphones. It's just a real nice feel, you know, and you can listen to the whole thing a few times, and you can still be back, you know, within an hour. So it's a really dope album if you've not got it. Uh, make sure you go out and get it. It's on all streaming platforms. Is it on your Bandcamp, or is this one not on your Bandcamp? No, this is not. Um, I didn't have uh, control of that aspect of the um, the distribution process. Um, you know, the label viewed it as let's just make it available for streaming digital now, yeah. um, and just leave it at that. Because when you go to Bandcamp, people expect the physical to happen. Period. Like. Right. You know, with Bandcamp, I don't know if anything's just being up there digitally, even though I might try that. But, um, you know, we look at that as a place for hard goods and, yeah. and the streaming world is for everything else. So, um, you know, we were aware that it was going to happen. You know, the release date, it, it came out not long ago. So right. we were already full steam into this. So, yeah, we, yeah, we, we know kind of well, derail things a little bit <laughs> well anybody out there checking this out if you've not heard uh that album uh, antithesis volume one part three it's a phenomenal uh project 
Uh, you can also check out his earlier work with Don't Sleep Records. Um, his, his albums with uh, Phonics are great boom bap hip hop with soul and jazziness all mixed in. And your joint that you did, um, Solo Power, last yeah. year was, was oh. one of our our favorite albums of the year last year. Phenomenal. Oh, wow. Album, so. Yeah, thank Fire. you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Appreciate that. Yes. Thank Fire. you for including yes. me in the book man of like, course man yeah yeah that that, that album was a, um was a lot because um i was recording it during the process of my wife being pregnant and mm-hmm. um you know expecting another child and you know that that changed my my whole world you know what yeah. i mean and so shouts out to my wife tiffany gibbs she's also in underdogs you can check out our journey you know and um see how everybody clowns me about <laughs> about the irony of sleeping you know yes. we, we may label don't sleep records but I love to get my sleep when I can when I can well speaking of that we're gonna let you go and let you get your sleep tonight but um we really appreciate you being here thank you uh for coming tonight and sharing yourself and stories with us we really appreciate it all of you out there if you do not know his music go google it find it buy it support it because it's and everyone else in here, thanks for coming uh, to the Zoom. Really appreciate it. We'll be back next week. We have a really special artist, uh, our, our guest next week. His name is Jay Brookins. Um, he's done some phenomenal work in Indianapolis. He's done beat battles up there that are just phenomenal. He's done some just great work in the hip hop scene. So we're going to be talking to him. So I invite you all to come back. Same link next Thursday at 10 p.m. Uh, so that'll do it for us tonight. Thanks, everyone, for being here. Really appreciate it. To the live world, we're about to sign off. And then everyone in Zoom, you can just hang out for a bit. We can chop it up and I can tell you why Black uh, Thought is the greatest MC of all time. So we can uh, <laughs> A1, uh, anything, any parting words, A1, that you want to say to folks? Yo, yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you all for um, jumping in, being so cool and inviting. You know, appreciate the hospitality, man. Um, this was dope. I enjoyed it. So thank you again. Thank you, everyone, man. Keep up the good work, brother. Can't wait for the next stuff to drop. Will do. Will do.